Hi, and welcome to this special edition of NFL Game Time Podcast with your hosts. I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. The NFL Draft is less than a week away. Uh, an event that I've circled on my calendar, I think even maybe even before the NFL season ended. So, obviously, as a Giants fan, this is a very exciting moment having two top 10 picks. But I love the NFL Draft, even if my team didn't have a high pick. So, Shai, we made a mock draft. We did. An alternating mock draft. I got the odd picks. You got the even picks. We're going to break down each and every pick, why we made these selections, and then some other avenues these teams can possibly explore as well. So, Shy, we have a lot to get to. So let's start it right up, because it's game time. And Alex, right before we get started, I just want to say this is a predictive mock for the most part, what we think will happen on draft night. Right. You know, Not necessarily what we would do. Right. Sometimes if we, you know, we're really torn between it, we'll put on our GM cap for As a, a tiebreaker. As a tiebreaker. It's a tiebreaker. Right. So, Shai, I held the number one overall pick in this draft. And to no surprise, I took Aiden Hutchinson. I think, I know there's Trayvon Walker rumors, and I think it could be even Ikem Ikwanyu, because I do think... They, this team desperately needs offensive line help. I thought it was weird that everyone was projecting offensive line, and then they franchise tag Cam Robinson, and all of a sudden everyone's back on the Aiden Hutchinson trade. I don't think a franchise one-year deal for Cam Robinson should change that narrative. In fact, if I were the Jaguars, I might even take one of the top two offensive tackles in this year's class. But I'm not, and this is, what again, what I think the Jaguars will do. Trent Bauke said he has four. He, they're deciding between four players. Ultimately, I think they go the safe route. I think they take the Michigan edge rusher. Yeah, I think that absolutely makes sense. Um, he is super athletic. He may have the highest upside of any edge rusher in this class. It's debatable. Well, I think he has the highest floor. The highest floor as well. I mean, you're you're talking about someone who's pro- the, probably the safest overall, you know, edge guy. And I think if you're looking at what the Jaguars want to do. It's who's going to make the biggest impact. And, you know, obviously it depends, you know, what team you are, who's making that selection. But, you know, edge rushers can wreck the game. And, you know, they make splash plays. Offensive linemen save you from those plays. Um, And, you know, I think if it were me making the selection, I would take an offensive lineman, probably like you would. But I think there's nothing you can't complain about taking – a guy like Aiden Hutchinson here. I mean, his hand usage and his sudden quickness. I know people were saying, oh, he ran a 4.7540. You look at his short shuttle time, those three cone drills, drills that are probably more representative of the top edge rushers. He was in the 95th, even 99th percentile in some of those drills, which just shows great short area quickness. And obviously, just looking at the film, terrific hand usage, traits that easily translate to the NFL. And they already have one really good edge rusher in Josh Allen. Clevion Chason hasn't really worked out. But now you pair Hutchinson with Allen. All of a sudden, you boast a really promising, with high upside, good pass rushing duo that can really wreak havoc on opposing offensive lines and quarterbacks. Right. This is a guy who says that he's, you know, who says, I believe, that he's modeled his game a little bit after the reigning defensive player of the year, TJ Watt. And you see his hand usage, you see that in his bend, and this is a guy, you know, that will get around you, but if he needs to bull rush you, he's strong enough and powerful enough and has the athletic, you know, profile, the size to do that. Uh, You can't complain about what the Jaguars do at this pick, whoever they go, but Aiden Hutchinson, a great pick. Right, you can't go wrong with Hutchinson or one of the top tackles. Again, I personally would take one of the tackles to protect your prized possession in Trevor Lawrence. But it's not like I'm throwing my arms up in the air saying, what are you doing if they do go Hutchinson? Nothing wrong with that pick. So, Shy, number two overall, Detroit? Yeah, I had them going Trayvon Walker. Um, he's picked up a lot of steam in the past couple months. Mainly uh, be- a meteoric rise. Right. Mainly because of two things. We just talked about how athletic... Aiden Hutchinson is. Trayvon Walker might be the most athletic player in the draft. You were saying, you were talking about Hutchinson's upside. I think 
pure upside, Walker's upside might be more than Hutchinson. He just doesn't have that floor that Hutchinson has. I tend to disagree a little bit with that. Just as a pure edge rusher, I think Hutchinson has the higher ceiling. But uh, I think you can the do, versi- you can right you can do more with Walker. I'm we, there's a play I forgot it was against, but he drops back in coverage. Great instincts, you know, as the ball is, you know, fastball essentially right by him, gets his hands up, deflects the pass, leads to an interception. He can play inside, he can play as kind of that pure edge rushing guy, and he can even, you don't want him doing it every down, but on occasional downs, he can even drop back in coverage and kind of play underneath. Yeah, he's like probably the most versatile 3-4 edge defensive end, you know, hybrid linebacker that you're ever going to get. You can plug him in at four or five positions, you know, in the box, and he'll be able to succeed and do it for you and do it, you know, at a solid level at this point, which it's really hard to say of any player in the NFL. That being said, a lot of his, you know, pass rushing skills, a lot of his technique is kind of raw. It's very raw. I What I'm going to throw in is, I raved about Hutchinson's hand usage. That's why he's so effective. That's something Walker really needs to improve on. He can win with power. I think he's capable of winning with speed. But those are kind of pure traits that right. they can work maybe a time or two in the NFL. But you, he, as you said, he really needs to get more refined in his technique if he wants to win against the top tackles at the next level. And that, for me, really starts with hand usage. Not saying he, It definitely can be done. It's, I'm not saying it's you know non-existent or it's impossible. If he doesn't have it now, he'll never have it. Not at all. But it's definitely something that he's going to have to improve upon as he faces the best of the best. Yeah, he's a guy that's really a lot of pure motor right now, which is which is a good thing. But also, you know, when you're not relying on technique so much, can you know be a little bit of a detriment at the NFL level. But certainly capable of developing a guy who fits that culture um, for what you know, Campbell's team, Detroit wants to do. And you have to really like what Detroit's building. I I, I think, I know Campbell got a lot of grief uh, during his press conference about biting kneecaps and everything. And I know maybe the results weren't there, but you really did see a team, you know, fighting hard. I think Brad Holmes had a you know, pretty solid draft. And for the resources he's had, I think he's actually done a pretty good job getting multiple firsts back for Matthew Stafford. It's going to be a long rebuild for Detroit, but I do think they have people in kind of those powerful positions that know what they're doing. And I think that's something that Detroit actually has been missing for the last few years. Absolutely. So, third pick, you had Houston Texans taking. It came upon you, and I know there's a lot of chatter and momentum building towards Ahmad Gardner. I love Gardner. You know how much I love Gardner. I think he's a top five player in this year's draft. And I think he is, I, I would be comfortable taking him three. I even think his ceiling could be number two overall to the Lions. I think he's that good of a player. At the end, I know they have Laramie Tunsil. The Titus Howard pick a couple years ago hasn't really worked out. And it's a new regime. I think kind of, Houston needs to build an identity. They need to build an identity, and I think drafting an Ikem Ikwanyu with his mean streak, his power, and as athletic as he is, that's starting to build that identity. And I like what I saw from Davis Mills. Is he a long-term answer at the quarterback position? Probably not. I don't know. But for what he had to deal with last year, I thought he held his own pretty well. I think they need to continue to build the offensive line. We see so many teams kind of fall because of that because of a poor offensive line. I also think that as much as I like Gardner, there's more room for error when drafting a cornerback that high. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's certainly true. I think if I was Jacksonville, Equality would be my, my, my number one pick in the draft. You know, I, I personally like would that take much. Evan Neal. Evan Neal is my number one tackle, but they're neck and neck. They're you know, in my rankings, one, two. Y- me too. So, I, I again, I... I Right, if I were drafting with the Texans, I'd probably take Neil. But again, Iquanu's fine. It's close between Iquanu and Garner. I just want, I'm, you know me, I love to err on the side of offensive line. I like yeah. to build in the trenches, the big man up front. They never get enough love. And I think is well worth the third overall pick. Oh, so, absolutely. I think when you look at Iquanu, I in my opinion, I think he has the highest upside versatility combo 
Um, in this draft, some people disagree and uh, say it would, it would be uh, Neil. Any offensive line. Any offensive lineman in this draft. Um, you could go and say that's Neil. I think the way, you know. The, I think Aquanu, he's, what I love about him, though, is he's got the high ceiling at tackle. But worst comes to worst, I think he could be a great guard. Yeah, he's a plug-and-play guard right away. And I think that's what Houston could very much opt to do here. You know, kick Titus Howard back outside to right tackle, where he's really played better. He had him at guard last year. Uh, if you take Terrible. A, if you take a Kwani third overall, you're not putting him at guard. I don't know. I've at seen least a initially. lot of speculation saying that Houston could play him initially at guard to allow and Howard to play tackle for another if, year and, and then, then I, kick him out. Okay, that, that, could make, that could make sense. I right. just think you're not drafting a Kwan Yu for the purpose of him being a long-term guard. Not no, saying guard is not I, important, but if you're taking a guard this high, he better turn out to be what Quentin Nelson has been for And I office. think he can. That's how much I like Ikema Kwan Yu. I think he has that ferocity, that ability to block and move in the run game that reminds me of Quentin Nelson. That's a high ceiling to get to, of course, but he, he, he has, has that those potential. intangibles. And he's incredibly athletic. He can, you know, run some wide schemes, get out to the outside, right. seal off the corner. So and definitely a versatile player that you can use in a lot of ways. Last thing I'll say on this pick, I think personally, I think it will be Gardner. I think Kwani is a better pick, pick I would make. But I think this, I think it very well could be Gardner. And I just, I just think they're going to value corner probably more. On defense, just knowing um, the kind of the Patriot way there. Well, it's also but, interesting because they have the 13th pick. So there right. also could be some projection. It's like, okay, if we take the offensive line now, who are the corners that will be available at 13? And vice versa, if we take the corner now, who are the offensive linemen that are going to be available at 13? So they also have to. Pro- there might be some projection 10 picks later to see. Maybe they have Garner higher on their board, but they think if we don't take the offensive line now, we're really going to miss out even at 13. When if we take a Kwan Yu, we can still get that corner at thirteen potentially, and we that's, see and, that's fair. And when we get to thirteen, we'll talk more about that. Indeed, four New York teams between the Jets and Giants, four picks in the top ten. Let's start. <laughs> some of it's obviously great trades they made, but some of it's well, they deserve those picks. Good um, management, bad players. Yes, or. Hopefully, good management yeah. now. We'll, we'll, see the, we'll see with the Giants, obviously, a new regime. Right. But the Jets, they pick fourth overall. It's their own first-round pick. I I mean, if I could see this being Gardner, and I know it's your pick. I could see this being Gardner, but ultimately, I agree with what you had. I do think they go edge rusher. Yeah. I'm going to go out and say it. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is the best player in this class. I think... Are the concerns about his character, his worth ethic, valid? I don't know. I've never met with Kayvon Thibodeau, so I wouldn't know that. But Some of his comments, I can see how it rubs people the wrong way when he talks about there's not a coach that can tell me something I already don't know. He talks about he chose Oregon over Alabama because of Nike and the brand and not, not so much about winning. So I definitely see how some of those comments rub people the wrong way. At the same time, it's not enough for me to not take him. Right. I, I just think I I think when you he has he's more polished right now, I think, a little bit more than Aiden Hutchinson. I disagree with how polished he is, but I think he his uh, I think he's higher upside than no, Hutchinson. I, I think I don't know about that. I think I think maybe we disagree a little bit on that. But I, I, I think right now he's got more moves in his arsenal in his bag of tricks than Hutchinson does. But I think Hutchinson I think Hutchinson I think they're both great athletes, but I think Hutchinson I would say has a little bit higher of a ceiling. That could be That's a really interesting. Yeah. Because I see it the opposite way. The exact, exact opposite. opposite way. And I also think maybe when I also see it this way is because of maybe some of the questions about his work ethic and how committed he will be. I I've, I can imagine Hutchinson getting there at 5 a.m. every day and kind of being that more more dependable, reliable player, which I think right. just by default makes sure. him a bit of a more safer pick. Right. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. But I think the Jets, you know, I don't think Robert Salah is going to, you know, I think he's going to get his edge guy. I don't think he's going to be able to resist adding a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau to his already solid defensive line. It depends who's calling the shots. Because I, I saw it's lying season 
we need to take everything we see in here with a grain yes. of salt. A big grain of salt, if that. I did see something that said that the front office is kind of worried about Thibodeau, but Robert Salah really wants him. So, yeah, it's not going to be a, you know, a struggle battle, you know, power struggle that ultimately flips the organization upside its head because I do like Joe Douglas and I do like Robert Salah in those positions. But it is interesting to see what they ultimately go with because it does appear that there might be some differing of opinions in terms of who, what will Thibodeau turn out to be. So now, fifth pick, you picking you're, pick, you're picking for both of your New York Giants top ten picks, five and seven. We'll start with five. Start with five. I guess what? Don't kill the messenger. That should that be this because again, this is what we think we'll do, not what we would do. Right. I would take Evan Neal here if I were Joe Shane. I can't ignore all the chatter and talk and rumors. I know it's rumors, and as I said, it's lying season. But for me, there's too much there to say they're not going to take Charles Cross. I had, I'm going with Charles Cross at fifth overall. I think he's higher on the Giants board than a lot of people in the media have him. I do think he's not. I have Neil and Aquanu ahead of him, but I do think Cross might be the best pass protector in this draft class. And you're nodding your head emphatically, so yeah. you definitely agree with this. Well, it's a pass-happy league. I the <laughs> pa- Pass blocking is so valuable in today's NFL. You need guys who can pass protect. You need guys, especially with all these edge rushers, where they make their living getting after the quarterback. You need guys who are sound in pass protection. And I think with Cross coming in, already a pretty good pass protector, there's less risk there. Yeah, I... I- you know, we've had a lot of this debate. I remember I was sitting on the plane. I'm trying to remember where I was going. And I was texting you about, uh, you know, pass protecting versus run blocking. And, you know, I, I we had some com- disagreements. And, you know, maybe. You, you find run blocking more valuable than pass blocking. And I find pass protection more valuable than run blocking. I think when I'm looking at a. a when I'm looking at a prospect, an offensive line prospect. I tend to value run blocking more. And it's funny because I value pass protection more. And this could be that I've been, you know, I've been a Steelers fan and I've watched a lot of really bad run blocking the last two seasons. So it's probably biasing me just a little bit. I just tend to think that there are much less players in the NFL that are really proficient run blockers and more who are much, much more proficient pass blockers. I also think that, that we could... Tra- Not necessarily that one is more valuable than the other, but that supply and demand. And, and I understand what you're saying. I also think we could chalk that up to teams passing the ball at this all-time rate. Like, we don't... Sure. First down, first and ten, that's not an automatic rundown. Like, there's, a, there's really no down that you say they're definitely running the ball here. So, with passing becoming, obviously, extremely valuable, positions that affect the passer and the quarterback are skyrocketing in value, whether it's the quarterback or offensive tackles or pass rushers. I think pass blocking has become more valuable than run blocking. I mean, you That's get a fair. guy who pretty solid pass pass protector, very good recovery, good balance. Very, yeah. Uh, I, look, where is he going to play left tackle? Is he going to play right tackle? We don't know. I think Cross, he is my number three tackle. So I do want to get that straight. Yes, now. mine as well. He is my number three tackle. But I do think, I mean, I know we might have different opinions on this, but Andrew Thomas was thought of as, like, the fourth offensive tackle in his draft. The Giants took him as the first. People were thinking, like, what are they doing? And he's turned out, I mean, we can nitpick and say, is he the best? It's probably worse. But Andrew Thomas has still turned out to be a very good left tackle. And I think if Cross can turn out to what Thomas can be, I think they'll be very happy with this pick. And I think Cross has that in him. And I think he's also safer pick which on the offensive line that's something we, that's something that you want yeah i mean i've said this to you before i think he is the safest lineman in this draft doesn't have the same ceiling as some of the other guys but when you're looking at a giants team that really just wants to give daniel jones one more shot that wants to not just daniel jones one more shot if they do take a quarterback next year they want to put him in a position to succeed right and you know as a passer you want someone who's going to be who you know can succeed as a pass protector at the nfl level 
and have that security, and that's Charles Cross. And I don't think necessarily the Giants should be bashed for thinking that. Right, right. and also I think with the lack of top-end talent with this draft compared to other drafts, we're going to see less consensus at the top. Right. So, look, would it be the best pick? No, I would personally take Neil. But I don't think this is like, how could they take Cross? What are they thinking? Right. So now, you know, moving on to a team that's been, you know, I picked six for the Carolina Panthers, a team that's been rumored to be really interested in offensive line. But that's another reason. I think I could see Carolina being really interested in Cross, and the Giants don't want to lose Cross to Carolina if they really do think he's right. the guy. I think that's right. However, you did not have him taking offensive no, line. I think this whole offensive line thing is the biggest smokescreen out there. I, I think they want a quarterback. I don't think they you trade think they're for trying Baker to trick, Mayfield. I don't want to say trick is the right word, but put out a smoke screen so the Giants won't trade back with a team like the Saints or Steelers so that those teams can trade ahead of Carolina and get their guy. Right. I think that makes sense. And, you know, they haven't been overblowing it either, which has been, you know, good for them. <laughs> they haven't been making it too obvious. Making it too obvious. And, you know, there's a rumor that they might want Baker Mayfield. I don't think that's the case. I think they want more stability at the position. You even saw a guy like Robbie Anderson tweeting out, no, you know, when those reports started to come out. I don't think Would that Would Baker happens. Mayfield be the best quarterback in this draft class if he was coming out this year? You mean with the tape that he's put on the NFL? Or from Oklahoma? I, that's tough. What, I think they're very different. <laughs> it is very. It is very different. It is very. I think out of Oklahoma, I think he definitely is. Oh, absolutely. I think at Cleveland, I might still give him the slight edge, but it'd be close. Sorry, say that again. I think I would still give him the edge, even with this Cleveland film. Be the first quarterback off the board in this class. Yeah. If he was younger, or just with his injury history. The injury history. That's why I would give him only the slight edge. Cause it's oh my close. gosh, you're much higher than Baker. I thought I was high on Baker Mayfield, but. He's not great, Ooh. but also when, here's the thing though. He also has the lower a lower stealing than a guy like Malik Willis, sure, which might yeah. lead to a, a wow. team wanting to bank on Willis's stealing. Okay, we could talk about this uh, for such a long time. Who did you have taking? We haven't even revealed the yeah, pick. Yeah, wow. Who's, who's going sixth overall? Yeah, who is I, definitely one hundred percent going sixth <laughs> overall? Shy. Um, I had him taking Kenny Pickett, quarterback out of Pittsburgh, not Malik Willis. Um, obviously, there are connections with the owner David Tepper, Pittsburgh. Native well, and Matt Rule, Matt and Rule, Matt Rule, Matt Rule recruited Pickett to Temple, and Pickett initially committed, and he obviously went out of commit commitment, uh, you know, went to Pittsburgh, but initially Rule and Pickett were going to be together at Temple, right? I think when they evaluate this position, they've had seasons of Sam Darnold, they've had their sprinkle of you know Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater at times. That was the closest. He was the closest thing they really had to stability at the position. Kenny Pickett, yes, he doesn't have the same upside as Malik Wills. Nowhere close. But he's someone who I think can come in, start day one, and be competent. And so that's what Matt Rule wants. Because Matt Rule is coaching for his job right now. Right. Is that the best for the Carolina Panthers? Because I think it is. You, you don't draft for year one. You draft for three, four, five years down the road. I know. And obviously Pickett still might be the best quarterback then, but because of his limited ceiling and a very good quarterback class next year and no second or third round picks this year, Carolina's in a position where are they in a, you know, can they get the most out of a quarterback, not just in his first year, but down the road? I think that Kenny Pickett, I'm really very high on him. I think he will be a starter in this league. At least in some capacity. He, he's going to be a star. I agree with that. He's going to be a starter, but there, there are 32 starters in the league. Right. I, if I was making a guess in a few years from now, I would say he'd be anywhere from tw- anywhere from the 20 to 12 range. And okay. I, and I think... I think that, that's a big difference because I don't think the Panthers want to take a, the 20th best NFL quarterback, 6th overall. I know. 12th they could live with. But I just think you need stability at this position. and well, I, Of course you need stability at the position. And Carolina doesn't have that. I think You don't have to play but right away. You have Sam Darnold. But I, I just don't think Malik Willis pans out in Carolina. He needs to go to a situation. And I think you combine yeah, I, those. I, mean, I would probably I 
probably agree with that too. I just don't know if taking a quarterback right now is best for the Panthers long term. Oh, it's best for Matt Rule long term. I'm not term. saying I would do it. I'm saying I think this is this combined with Matt Rule's trying to save his job, David Tepper really liking him, heads up with him going Tepper's the overall. ultimate decision maker. I think yeah. absolutely. So, so you think if there's um, a disagreement between Scott Fitterer, the general manager, who is there for the long haul, I think, or at least for the next few years, and Matt Rule, who this could be his last year, you think Tepper would kind of be the tiebreaker? Well, I think Tepper and Rule could very much be on the same page, but even if they aren't, I, I think I think Tepper absolutely has the final call. Do you think he overrules both of them? Yes. I mean, I think if it comes down to that. Well, I'm saying, like, what if Rule actually said, you know what, I think it's best to take an offensive lineman, and Fitterer's like, I agree, let's take Evan Neal. Then I think it could very well happen. I just, I think Tepper has the power to overrule them. And I think overrule he could. them. No, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I know. Okay. So... <laughs> That was my Kenny Pickett spiel. I'm leaning offensive lineman right now. If I, You had the even pick, so I let you take Pickett. If I, I'm starting to lean offensive line, if I'm going to. But again, it's, I don't know, 55-45, 60-40. That's, That's very fair. So now I know if they take Pickett, you're going to call me saying, I told you so, I told you so. Yes, but I would do that with any of these picks. Okay. I just like being right. Oh, really? I never noticed that. So speaking of being right, do you think you were right? The Giants, seventh overall. I am taking Ahmad Gardner. Taking Ahmad Gardner. If he's at this place, I think they would take Ahmad Gardner. Do you think this happens? I don't know. Do you again, think he's there? Because that's, I think, the biggest question. I know the Giants like it. I know. Oh, you do? Who are, you, who are your sources? Everyone. Everyone's your source? And and I also want to hear, why isn't this an edge rusher, and namely Jermaine Johnson? Because I I think they're going to take an offensive lineman at five, and I think at seven, they're just going to go best available defensive player. Okay. So I think Jermaine Johnson's very much in the conversation, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's the pick. But I think that they're looking to trade Bradbury. Adore Jackson's contract isn't ideal. He's probably right. going to be there for another two years, but he's not going to be there long term. Yeah. They realize, I, they, keep in mind, Joe Shane and Brian Dable, both in Buffalo. I know it was in a trade back, but a few years ago, they took Tredavious White in the first round, and it worked out pretty well for them. Right. Uh, I mean, of course, they also took Gregory Rousseau in the first round last year, but. Uh, Joe, I think they do value cornerbacks very highly, potentially on the same plane as edge rusher. And again, I just think they're going to take the best available out of corner, uh, the best available defensive player. And in this scenario, it just happened to be Gardner. And again, I cornerback is you might look at their depth chart and say, oh, it's not a need. They have Bradbury, they have a Dory Jackson, but give it a couple weeks. By the time the draft rolls around, Bradbury might be gone. And again, I don't think a Dory Jackson's in there for more than two years. I agree with all that reasoning. I think it will be Gardner. I just I, I wanted to Gar- test you and see I don't know if you- Gardner will be there, and if he's not there, then you start talking about Jermaine Johnson or even Derek Stingley Jr. I kind of really only think the, the team that the only team that I think really could take him is the Texans at three. I could see, although I would agree, agree with you, if they really do have concerns about Thibodeau, I could see the Jets taking Gardner. I just really... It's so hard for me not to see them taking Thibodeau, and their corners are pretty solid. I I think... Well, no, they definitely need a number one corner. Uh, I think Thibodeau's definitely the favorite, and I would agree with you. If I had the even picks, I would have done the same thing. But I do think there's a possibility that it is Gardner. That's fair. That's fair. So, again, I like Johnson. I think he's probably worthy of a top 10 pick. Or at least kind of the back half of the top ten in that range, and we have them dropping, which is a whole other thing we'll get to. But at seven, I thought Garner was the best player available. He also fills a need at a premium position. I just thought it made all the sense in the world. Absolutely. So I'm another, looking at eight. Another team with a ton of needs. A ton the of Atlanta, needs. The Atlanta Falcons. I was really struggling between two guys: Kyle Hamilton, safety at Notre Dame. Evan Neal, tackle Alabama, freak athlete, you know. Which one? <laughs> I was talking about Evan Neal, but. They both are. They both are. He's massive, Evan Neal is. 
And, you know, this is really hard because they need everything. And you have two really good players here. And recently, we've been seeing, you know, a lot of mocks showing Kyle Hamilton slipping down the board. So that's what I was going to say is a month ago, this was, I thought, the sweet spot for him. Or you had Kyle Hamilton going eight overall. Yeah, I did. I yeah. did have him selected. Yeah, you, you, you had Atlanta taking him. A month ago, I would have agreed with you, definitely. And I would have thought, yeah, this is where I think he's going. And not that I don't think he's well, going. Well, you probably to. didn't know Evan Neal would be on the board here. That's true, too. Um, I also think there's been a lot of rumors they could take a receiver. I could that I could see them taking Jermaine Johnson or even Derek Stingley. Absolutely. I think this is a sweet spot for Hamilton and a, definitely a spot he probably should go in. But with all the chatter, I I could see him getting outside the top ten. Yeah, I kind of he might be me, he might, might he really might be my number two player. He's incredibly talented. It's just. He plays a position that typically you don't spend premium draft capital on. Well, neither is tight end, Alex. But look at what happened <laughs> last year. <laughs> just because they're talking didn't, about the Falcons. Just because they did it doesn't mean they should take another player in a non premium right. position. Look, if it were me, I would take Evan Neal, and I wouldn't think twice. Um, but I think the Falcons are taking what they think is best for available. I don't think the position... By the way, regardless of position, he, he would be the best player available. In your mind? In my mind, he'd be... It'd be close with him and Neil. They're very, very close. I think, though, strictly based on talent, Hamilton would be the best player available. When you factor in position, that's when Neil overtakes right. him. Right, and I think that argument is exactly what leads Atlanta to take him, you know... To take Hamilton. To take Hamilton at 8 overall. And I just... I don't think you can complain about it too much. Um... If I was a Falcons fan, I might be a little bit upset you know, just because of the positional need and the value of tackle versus safety. But it's just, this is a guy who well, we thought they need go... a lot more than just a tackle. Like they need everything. So are right. they not even comparing Hamilton to Neal? Are they just in a position to take a safety in the top ten? Similar to how the Giants right. have been rightfully criticized for taking a running back number two overall a few years ago. I, and this is a guy we thought could go as early as three overall to the Houston Texans and. You know, there's been some prospect fatigue on him, and I kind of just wanted part of me. So kind of just wanted to be like, look, yeah, he's still uh, here. I, the 40, I think a team very well could take him to the top. The forty yard dash time is for me bogus. He, you look, you turn on the tape, you look at the film. He plays so much faster than that. I look at play gate. I look at play and game speed versus raw forty yard dash speed. When is he going to have to be in shorts running forty yards down the field? Yeah, I, I think. I sure, think it matters me, him more than some other positions, but. For me, he yeah. if he's dropping, he's dropping because of the position he plays, not because of his combine performance. Yeah, it's funny because when I, when you, I think you see some analysts that are like, Kyle Hamilton is a player that will go fifteen to twenty because you know he doesn't he's not an overhang player. You know he is not fast enough. He you know he's not going to keep people hit. There's one, on it. there's one interception where maybe it's more instincts than speed. I think it was against Florida State. He runs over like three quarters of the field. Right, I've seen that field. Like from the time the ball was released to he kept, to the interception. Per, I mean, you look at that play and you tell me the guy doesn't have good play speed and is slow. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I know I it's one. I know it's one play, but I know I, you have the other people that think he should he could go number three overall because he's that that talented. I tend to be more on that side. He's more. But I'm somewhere in between. He's talented enough to go in the top three. But if I were running a team, I'm I'm not taking a safety that high. Right. We, saw, we saw with Jamal Adams in the Jets. So, what do you with another team like the Seahawks who have so many needs at nine? Maybe not quite as many as the Atlanta Falcons. Eh, it's close. It's close. <laughs> Where are you going here? Did you, you have to think much about it? No. No, I went Evan Neal. Uh, that offensive line has been terrible for years. It's probably one of the biggest reasons why Russell Wilson is in Denver. What do you think Russell Wilson is thinking? When now now you take this? the offensive lineman. Yeah. With, the, with the pick that you got for me, now you take the offensive lineman. Now, I mean, I don't think he would think much of it. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of just joking around right there. Um, oh, I, if I were him, I'd be pissed. You'd be, no, you'd be pissed. <laughs> uh, but no, Seattle... Whether it's Neil or not Neil, they just have to take the best player available. And for me, uh, Neil was by far. Yeah, like, I I don't think this pick needs much no, explanation. It no, it wasn't no really a debate. If now if Neil had gone eight, which you were deciding to, 
I probably would have turned to Derek Stingley because I definitely think they need to upgrade the defense and improve in the secondary. I may have gone Jermaine Johnson here. It probably, for me, would have been between Stingley and Johnson. That's fair. Uh, Either way, you can't compare. I may have leaned Stingley, but again, Neal was available. And again, if I were the GM, if I were uh, Snyder, I just would have, you know, I turned the card in right as the Atlanta pick was announced. So I'm, uh, I'm running to the podium. As would I. So now, the New York Jets, with their second pick, getting it from the Seattle Seahawks for Jamal Adams. I mean, that trait trait gets better and better if you're a Jets fan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I may have been wrong about that trait in my analysis of it. Uh, in retrospect, I bashed it immediately. Yeah. If I recall correctly, and I was like, "It's a fairly even trade." <laughs> you, 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 uh, you, yeah. I, you may you got the better of me on I, that. I'll, I'll concede. I, I'm conceding. I'll just say this: Jamal Adams was traded for two firsts. The Seahawks got two firsts for Russell Wilson. I know they got a little more, but just thinking about it like that, the two firsts, Jamal Adams, two firsts, Russell Wilson, doesn't really add up. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly does not. Um, this pick was easy. The Jets need a receiver. Garrett Wilson, best in the class, in my opinion. And He's a top not, 10 player. There's not really any debate in my mind. Um, no, I think you look so, at yeah. route running, body control, mm-hmm. NFL ready with upside. Uh, he is, in my mind, the best receiver in this class. I think he is a top 10 player. Uh, off the top of my head, I'd probably have him around seven in terms of ever if you I mean, know, my big board. I'd probably have him like in that seven range. He reminds me of a more refined, you know, kind of a, a less fast but like more refined as a route runner, Jalen Waddle. That's kind of who he reminds me of. Yeah, I, I think, think that he's same a little sort of bigger. Body, yeah, so I think he's a little bigger, but than he plays Waddle. bigger than he is. He has that same kind of body control. His you know, body control is outstanding, and that's what really separates him from the rest of the pack. Right. So, th- I mean, that was a pretty self-explanatory pick. Alex, you at 11 have... Yeah, this was difficult. This was difficult because it was a pick where I didn't know... I was kind of targeting Kyle Hamilton for Washington. Obviously, he goes eight. Garrett Wilson, um, if he was there, I-, I didn't expect him to be there. I fully expected you to take Wilson at 10, but he was an option at 11. This was a pick that I was thinking they could use another corner. Uh, You know, William Jackson, that signing hasn't really worked out. They could use, so they could definitely use some secondary help, but as yes, Ron Rivera likes, you know, likes to have that defense and likes to continue to build up that defense. Is Ron Rivera making the pick? Like, is this not Daniel Snyder? Uh, no, after all the after all what's going on around with him, no. Okay, Snyder, that's fair. N- no, maybe in the past, but so you don't think he has any influence? I mean, I, I'm not questioning what you're saying. I don't, don't want to say any, but or I don't want to say he has no influence. But in years past, I think he kind of has. He's been making the pick. Yeah, and now, now he's like maybe he's like, uh, he, he, let's do this, Ron. Let's do. I it, mean, you know? with all the allegations, he knows he kind of has to shut his mouth. That's fair. That's fair. But it, uh, I think it's it. This it's it's. I guess Ron it's hard Rivera for me to and, imagine him not having any influence on the pick. <laughs> that's fair. Um, no, but I think this is between Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew. Okay. I, it was close between some of the corners, but ultimately I just took the probably the best available receiver. Yeah, Drake London. Drake right. London. He had the ankle injury, and you also look at. I love if they do take London. You kind of have your speedy downfield threat. You know, can convert those third and tens in Terry McLaurin, and now you get the big body red zone guy. Throw it up to him; he'll catch it. His ball skills and ability to win those fifty-fifty balls are really impressive. He does sometimes struggle to get separation, so that is a concern of mine, and probably why he might not be the top guy in this class. Right. Like I'd like to see him be more creative in terms of getting separation. I think a lot of that has to be done by scheme. Right. But the good thing is even. He's not. He's always open. Even when he's not open, he's open. And you know, for Carson Wentz, a guy who throws a lot of jump balls, that can really benefit Wentz. Help him generate more big plays. Help him get. Help him score more touchdowns in the red zone. So I really like. I think London can be a good fit for a lot of teams, but I think he complements a guy like Terry McLaurin really well because Washington really lacks size 
on offense. That's very true. I remember when they had Josh Dotson, Doxson, and uh, they would always throw. You know, obviously he was he was a bust. They would always throw goal line fades to him, and he would always drop them or get batted away. He would lose the catch point. Drake London is the guy who will make those catches. He really puts himself in a good position to go up and and bring the ball out of thin air. So. Right. I went with London. Although I would agree. I made the same pick. I do think we could see, we have seen that steady rise of Jameson Williams. Teams getting maybe comfortable with the ACL. We could see him possibly in the top 10 to 12. Shy, 12, Minnesota. You essentially just made the pick for me. You're like, <laughs> we're doing this. Is that okay? <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're Derek Stingley, right? Like, this is fine with you? And I was like, yeah. That that was the, that was how this pick went kind because of. I I, th- I think Stingley this is his floor. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think he falls past this range. You know, we look at his twenty nineteen tape, really really good as a freshman. Vikings banking on that, banking on a guy like Pat P. Patrick Peterson can kind of groom him into that guy once again. The medicals are supposedly coming back clean. I think with that being said, you know, it's there is some risk to the pick, but it's hard to see him falling past this point given the fact that his medicals supposedly are looking so good. Yeah. So, uh, Stingley, top 10 to 12 player. 13. Yeah, 13. I had him go offensive line at three, and it was close. I almost had him take Jermaine Johnson, but I had him grab the cornerback at 13. I had him take Trent McDuffie. I think Trent McDuffie is one of the better players on the board still. He plays a premium position. It's a need. You know, it's a big need. And again, it was close between him and Jermaine Johnson, but it had Houston, right? You're interested potentially at the corner at three. Maybe it's not Ahmad Garner, but you get a rock-solid cornerback at 13. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think this could very well happen. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Trent McDuffie. He is just – he can play anywhere – you know he's defensive back. They should he should be called DB, not CB. Um, he can play in the slot. You know nickel um, on the outside. People might question you know some some issues with his size, but I think you know he's got he's really good. He can play those positions. You can even put him at safety if you really really need to. And he just has really good fundamental ball skills. And I'm not really worried about his size. He reminds me of kind of a a more refined version of Byron Murphy coming out. Also coming bit. out of Washington. Right. Isn't that Washington? Isn't that at, they also had Marcus Peters. Washington does a really good job at developing and producing cornerbacks. Right. They're not always like the big time school, like Alabama or Michigan or Ohio State, Georgia as well. But you look at some of the cornerbacks that have come out over the last decade or so they do a pretty good job of producing corners so this pick is probably at 14 picking for baltimore this was a little rich for my blood this was rich for alex's blood he said i'll have some explaining to do which i will uh, you said you would have to get some you you admit it i didn't i admit it's, it it's I rich it. for my blood i i don't think you have a ton of explaining to do but i, I was, don't disagree i think before we talk about this pick we should explain we did not make any trades this was a no right. trade mock draft that's true and also i think it's gonna be really difficult to trade back because there's not gonna be that many teams willing to trade up with a lack of talent at quarterback yeah or just top end talent to begin mm-hmm. with the giants want to trade back i think the panthers might want to trade back team jets are going to want to trade back Houston, pretty much almost any team in the top five. But who's ten. trading up? Exactly. Maybe Pittsburgh. Maybe Pittsburgh. Maybe New Orleans. It's about it. Maybe oh. we see a small trade up with like maybe Baltimore to get ahead of Minnesota for a corner or something. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe. We're not gonna have that I don't think we're gonna have that huge trade up, or at least we're not gonna have like multiple trades, I think, in the top. Right. Five to seven picks. I think that's which right. Which a lot of teams are obviously hoping there are there is that type of action. I just don't see it happening. Even Jackson wants to trade back, but I think they they know that's that's not going to happen. Right. I mean, if you're Baltimore, I was really struggling with this pick. Their corners are off the board. They maybe have wanted to go corner. I necessarily think they need to, but 
you know, they might want a third guy. They do have Marcus Peters, Martin Humphrey returning. They did... Both are, both are returning from significant, significant injuries. Right. And they did, I believe, you lose Anthony Averett and uh, Jimmy Smith. Yeah. They signed... I know he's a safety, but they signed Marcus Williams in free agency. Right. They don't need to go safety here. Thought that they would. Um, so, to me, this was... You know, Jermaine Johnson is on the board here, which we don't think will happen. That would have real... that would have been my pick. Right. I, I didn't make this... But, yeah, I... I should echo that. This was how it played out. In reality, I think we'd both be surprised if Jermaine Johnson is here. Right. I, we agree. But, you know, things happen. There are reaches. There are pe- players drop. There are steals. The NFL, this is, the NFL draft, one of the greatest reality shows. Exactly. So I don't think it's really hard. I think it's really hard to say any of this is unrealistic. That being said, the Ravens... I, this pick, in my mind, is not... A, I, Maybe you're even making too big of a deal about it. I don't think it's unrealistic. I think it's just we haven't seen this player go this high. Right. And I think sometimes that happens on draft night. The, here's especially, the reality. Especially with the lack of consensus this year. Right. Here's the reality. The Ravens' interior offensive line is abysmal. It's abysmal. The only reason they don't address this... I might this, say more than just the interior... Right. No, yeah. There's no. Te- there's just... We thought it was... You didn't like t- taking Penning at the spot. Just because, I mean, I think they have some faith in Morgan Moses that right. they signed, which is well, and then, okay. But, but Ronnie Stanley. Like, a can, left tackle. No, but I'm saying... He's coming can, off a significant injury. That's what I'm saying. Can they trust him to stay healthy? Because right. at, at his best, he's one of the best tackles in the NFL, but can they trust him to play not even 17? Can they trust him to play 14 games? I'm not sure. So... I had him taking Zion Johnson, Boston College guard. He's plug and play right away. He's good in the run game. I think he can fit their scheme. He He's moves very really versatile. well. He can very move, versatile. Can move around. I I just you know I think now, just, I personally yeah. like Linderbaum and Kenyon Green better. That's fair. Uh, I mean it's not by one margin. It's very very close. Sure. So if I were going into your offense line, I would. Try to go with one of those two, Linderbaum or Green. But again, I don't have a huge problem with Johnson. I do think Baltimore's going to try to... I, I definitely could see Johnson being a target for the Ravens. I think they're going to try to trade back and get him. This could be a better spot for a trade-up for a team picking low right. than them. Because, you know, going from... I I know the Steelers and Ravens probably would never trade with one another. but just Maybe use, the Saints go may, up and just they... use it. Let's just use the Steelers as, as an example. I'm saying it probably won't happen. But as an example, going from 20 to 14... Seems reasonable. You're not going to have to give up as much as 20 to 7, or 20 to 5, or 20 to 6. Even 20 to 10. Um, Which the Steelers did a few years ago. Right, to get Devin Bush, who is, uh, had a good rookie year and then was bad. Um, so, I mean, I really could see this, you know, full disclosure, being Jermaine Johnson. I just think... The Ravens' defensive line is very solid. I think they go position of need. I think, you know, if they like the this Ravens player... Nev- I would say go. this, Ravens never draft for need. They don't draft for need. Which makes them such a great front office and well-run they don't, organization. But I think, they'll, I think that they could very easily like one of these interior guys well, the, enough I agree to, with that. to do that. I agree with that. I just don't... Saying, oh, they need an interior offensive lineman, so they'll take an interior offensive lineman. No, I'm not I saying think that's why. If they take an interior offensive lineman, I think it's because they also really like one, not because it's like, Fair. you know, we're reaching seven players and we need an interior right. offensive lineman. What are we going to do without Zion Johnson? We can't trade back, so you know what? Now no, definitely no, I, I know what you're saying. But now, at 15, you had the Eagles taking Jermaine Johnson. This was probably one of the easiest picks that I, yeah. I can make. Um Best player available, fills a need. They need edge rushers, and they also value edge rushers. They love to. They don't. They love to sometimes have that alpha edge rusher, but they also love depth at the position. They're never tired of drafting edge rushers. It's something that front office and that organization values. And I mean, Jermaine Johnson falling to fifteen is incredible value. This pick just. I mean, for the Eagles, it's probably too good to be true. Yeah. And I don't see him getting past this spot. This is probably the lowest he falls. And even then, I think he goes much higher than this. This was, I don't think, takes much explaining. It 
valuable position, a position that the Eagles historically have valued highly and are willing to use premium picks on. If he's there, I think this is the pick. Yeah, I think the Saints are, you know, probably, you know, sure they may they they may have wanted Jermaine Johnson seeing him fall, but I think they're still pretty happy that, you know, one of the top three receivers on the board made it a pretty easy pick for me, taking Jamison Williams at Alabama. His rehab is going really well. I considered Williams at 15, but I thought with both Williams and Olave on the board and Philly picking again at 18. Right. I thought Philly could... I didn't think Jermaine Johnson would last. I thought there's a better chance that they could get one of the receivers at 18 than having Jermaine Johnson slip another couple picks. So I just took best player available at 18, thinking if you're Philly, you can grab one of those two receivers. Right. The way things have been building, though, I don't know if Jameson Williams will be at this spot. The Saints might have to even trade up for him because before the injury, there was talk of him going in the top 10. He gets injured. He falls. And now it's he's ahead of schedule. The medicals are coming back great. And again, in the draft, you're drafting for three, four years down the road, not necessarily for the 2022 season. And I honestly think Jamison Williams could be the highest upside receiver in this draft. With given his, his elite speed. speed. And what I like about Jamison Williams is, yes, he's incredibly fast, no doubt about it. But you watch some of his stop and goes and his cuts. He's he has pretty good, he's a pretty good route runner. Right. I'm, I might say he's that. He's fluid. He's very fluid. I might say that you know, Alave is the best route runner in this class in terms of technique and fundamentals. Oh, yeah. But it's not like Jameson Williams you know, fully relies on his speed where guys are faster, bigger, stronger in the NFL. They can limit speed. They can get physical with a receiver like Williams and maybe throw him off his game. But I really do like Jameson Williams' Williams's ability to route run and how he's not strictly a you know, kind of, I'm going to run 40 yards down the field. Right. So... Shy, that's going to do it for this edition. We broke down picks 1 through 16. On our next episode, we're going to go through the rest of the draft, 17 through 32. Lots still to get to on the next episode, so we hope you enjoyed this episode of NFL Game Time Podcast. And again, be on the lookout for our next episode where we break down picks 17 through 32. We'll see you next time on NFL Game Time Podcast.